Hello, this is Humphrey Littleton speaking to you from my winter retreat in the highlands of Scotland with a yuletide selection from I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. But first, let's pause to reflect upon what Christmas really means. It's a time to share gifts with friends, a time... time of peace and goodwill to all men and a time to think of loved ones, some perhaps no longer with us. Our nationwide tours started last spring in Woking, which until Victorian times was no more than a small market town. But when nearby Brookwood was chosen as the site for Britain's largest cemetery, a dedicated railway line was built to run funeral trains from London. Out of respect, South West trains still operate services at the same walking pace. As Woking today is known as a dormitory town, it came as no surprise by the end of our evening there to see a lot of people asleep in a large room. One round I did wake up during, however, was called Goodbye Magazine, my own contribution to the many glossy society and showbiz publications. But this one dedicated instead to the celebrity funeral. The team suggested what the contents might comprise. Graham, any ideas? Um, yes, History Corner, a photo caption. Lazarus, seen here sharing a joke with a bearded stranger and his own... <laughs> and his own funeral reception. Tim. Oh, we have a report here of the funeral of squadron leader Jumbo Big Ears uh, McPherson. And he spent five years, in fact, in Stalag Luft 47. And the picture here is of the mourners shuffling round the grave, dropping soil down their trouser legs. <laughs> Lovely, lovely piece. Very moving. Barry? Woking was in mourning today with the news of the death of the local resident World Hokey Cokey champion. <laughs> Unfortunately, it took them three hours to get him in the coffin. <laughs> Neil? Uh, at the funeral of Marcel Marceau, mourners held two minutes noise. <laughs> in Florida, multiplex cinema pioneer Harry Goldman passed away peacefully last Friday. His funeral will be on Tuesday at 2.30, 4.15, <laughs> and 8.15. In Bradford, contortionist Reg Gridley died in his own arms. <laughs> At the uh, funeral of Bill Gates, the coffin went down eight times. <laughs> Rather sad picture on page eight of a gravestone. Here lies Geoffrey Archer. <laughs> and uh, here's the headstone of Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead. Thanks very much indeed. <laughs> Our next stop on the Clue 2000 tour was the city of Stoke, where football fans are still rightly proud of their most famous son, Sir Stanley Matthews. Rated as the finest controller of the ball ever, Sir Stanley played professionally well into his 50s. What memories must have been revived on seeing astonishingly old men once again dribbling in public? Sadly, Graham Garden was unable to join us in Stoke. 
His agent sent a note to say he was staring at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, which I took to be a spelling mistake. But it wasn't. Among the games played, I remember one which was quite good, where the teams took turns to be diners engaged in conversation, while the opposing team acted as waiters, whose job it was to interrupt them at the least opportune moment. Darling, there's something I want to ask you. Care for a roll, madam? What is it? Well, it's a sort of bready round thing. <laughs> it's uh, made with made with flour. <clears throat> I've got a surprise for you. It's self-raising. <laughs> Are you asking for my hand in your soup, sir? I want you to marry me, but there's a slight problem. It's cockaleeky. <laughs> what is it? I've just told you, Clothes, it's cockaleeky. <laughs> I've just discovered I've got a knob of butter. <laughs> I've got a slight medical problem. I don't care. When I kiss you, your lips taste... Like a gherkin, sir. <laughs> oh, damn it, just marry me. That's very kind of you, sir, but... Uh, <laughs> this isn't actually my table. Good night. OK, let's swap that around now. Tim and Jeremy, you can be diners this time, and Barry and Sandy will be the waiters. Carry on. Tristram, lovely to see you. I have to say, you're not looking too good. A little peaky. Is there anything wrong? Well, Geoffrey, I've had some very bad news. I'm afraid the fish is off. <laughs> well, you know you can tell me, Tristram. Uh, what, what is it? May I suggest crabs? <laughs> well, I... The thing is, Geoffrey, I, I really don't want to... Wine, sir? <laughs> is it uh, something serious? Well, I was worried it might be my cell count. Uh, red or white, sir? <laughs> so I, um, I, uh, I had to produce this, you know, the sort of sample, and the doctor said... Uh, I expect one bottle won't be enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> what, um... What, Tristan, did the doctor say? What was the, the verdict, then? Well, he, he says I've got... Melon balls, sir? <laughs> something, something serious. I, I, I don't know how I caught it. Maybe something I ate, or maybe... A tart, sir? <laughs> oh, cheer up, Tristram. You'll soon be... Toast, sir. <laughs> Teams travelled next to the National Theatre on London's South Bank, where the audience is accustomed to great performances from fine talent. All agreed the show was really something else. We were broadcasting from the Littleton Theatre, which is actually named after a relative of mine, Oliver Littleton, first Viscount Chandos, who was the National's first chairman. Oliver, or Uncle Viscount as I knew him, joined the government in 1940 and was found a common seat in Aldershot, 
which explains why he had to shout during Prime Minister's questions. Since his time, the National has seen many varied productions, from the controversial Romans in Britain to Beckett's Happy Days, famously featuring Dame Peggy Ashcroft in the lead role of the Fonz. Appropriately, we played a round called Grand National Theatre, which combined acting and horse racing rolled into one. The teams provided us with their interpretation of Act 3, Scene 2 of King Lear, in the style of horse racing commentators. Enter King Lear and Fool, King Lear, blow Huggins and cracks your cheeks, rage, blow your cataracts and hurricanoes spout till you have drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks who sob for us and over the thought executing fires, vaunt couriers to oak, cleaving thunderbolts over to you, Barry. Singe my white head. <laughs> now. <laughs> Now, old shaking thunder, smite flat to think rotundity of the world, crack nature's moulds, and German spill at once, that makes ingrateful man. Over to you, Stephen. No, and uncle caught holy water in the dry house. He's better than this rainwater out of door. Good, and uncle in, uncle in, in, and an outside daughter on the inside blessing. Here's a night that is neither wise man nor fool. Rumble, thy bountiful spit, fire, spout, rain. Over to you, Graham. And Noreen, wind thunder, fire of my daughter, is chilling on the outside there. I touch not you, you elements, with unkindness. I never gave you kingdom, called you children. You owe me no subscription at the tote, uh, let fall. Oh, you're a horrible pleasure to fall there. Here I stand, your slave, a poor, infirm, weak, and despised old man. Over to you, Tim. Not yet, I call the serpent myself that have two pernicious daughters joined your high engendered battles against the head. Over to you, Barry. He that has a house to put heads in has a good headpiece down there. The codpiece that will house before the head as any, the head, and she shall louse. So, beggars marry many, the man that makes his toe, what he is out should make, shall of a corn cry, woe over to you, Stephen. Uh, and Tony slipped away, for there was never yet firm on her, but she made mouth and glass. No, no, I will be the pattern of all patience, I will say nothing, I will say nothing. From who's there, Ken Fool, marry, here's Grace and a codpiece, and that's a photo for wise man and a fool. <laughs> One round which brought back memories for me involved looking back to the dark days of World War II, specifically the wartime chat-up line. The war was a time when, in the face of adversity, romance was often in the air, except in single-seater fighters, of course. So worried were the authorities by this climate of free love that those of us in the forces had something put in our tea to stop us thinking constantly about sex. I often still wonder when it's supposed to start working. Stephen, will you start? Uh, all POWs are welcome to share my tunnel. <laughs> uh, hello. 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 I'm from the disposal squad. Does my bomb look big in this? <laughs> Put that light out. It's all right, I said V-E. <laughs> those, uh, those fockers have given me an idea. <laughs> I've been trained how to handle bazookas. <laughs> I think we should both take off our gas masks first. <laughs> oh, you already have. <laughs> You don't know what a dishonourable discharge is. Well, let me enlighten you. <laughs> we could, um... We, 
we could lie down on that. A sandbag? <laughs> they say we should all pull together. <laughs> Stop or I'll shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in. <laughs> Is that a spike on your helmet, or are you just pleased to see? <laughs> it's uh, it's called a siren suit because everyone who sees it goes oh. <laughs> After a short summer break, we resumed in Bournemouth, which was developed into the resort we know today in the 1890s. When the town's splendid new drives and avenues were officially opened by Queen Victoria, accompanied by Kaiser Wilhelm in full military garb, everyone gasped in amazement, except the Kaiser, who gasped because he'd inadvertently sat on his helmet. But it wasn't until 1941 that Bournemouth came to world attention when the course of the war was changed after the Japanese mistakenly bombed Pool Harbour. Here, the teams played a round called Unoriginal Innovations, providing examples of how certain old-fashioned inventions might be described today via the mail-order catalogue. Graham. No more tangled flex worries. <laughs> Is your hairdryer flex in a tangle? Is it getting frayed and dangerous? Time to get a cable-free, hand-operated towel. <laughs> The toilet roll. New from Thomas Crapper and Son. <laughs> Crapper's delight. Accessorise your water closet. No more dock leaves. No more asking the man next door if he's got two fives for a ten. <laughs> That's all behind you, as is... As is New Crapper's Delight. We put our business in your hands and vice versa. <laughs> Ivor Trump of Staines writes, Before discovering your product, I was so desperate, I nearly shot myself. <laughs> That's from The Guardian. Experts agree it's the number one product, the Royce of Rolls. Try Crapper's Delight. <laughs> the next venue on the autumn leg of our tour was Coventry's Belgrade Theatre. The earliest promoter of Coventry was the Earl of Mercia, who played an important role in stimulating growth for the city fathers, as did his wife Godiva when she rode naked through the streets. Legend has it that the townsfolk all averted their gaze except for Peeping Tom, who watched her single-handed, and as a result went blind. The good people of Coventry were treated to a regular round called Sound Charades, based on TV's Give Us a Clue. Who can forget the Grandmaster himself, Lionel Blair, winning in a record time of 3.5 seconds when he brilliantly mimed Anchors Away by signalling first words sounds like and pointing to himself and Timmy Mallet. It's difficult to improve on the original, and to prove it, the teams presented their oral mimes of famous films. OK, Tim and Tony, you're to start, please, and your title will be displayed to our theatre audience via the laser display board. 
And here for the people at home, here's the mystery voice. The seven-year itch. The seven-year itch. Right, you're guessing this one, Barry and Graham. Off you go, Tim and Tony. It's four words, and it was a film, and it's a play. We don't know whether it's a book, but film and play. And it goes something like this. Ah. Hello there. Hello. Hi, Fancy meeting you in St Mark's Square. It's lovely, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes yeah, yeah. How are you? Uh, don't do that. Sorry. <laughs> Colin, could you make some music time passing? Actually. <laughs> Hello there. Yes, it's lovely yeah. here, isn't oh, it? Gosh, yes. How long has it been? Oh, since... it's about a year, yes. I would say. Yes. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> Hello there. Hello. How are you? I, missed you? I haven't seen you for no, a while. About yes. four years now. Well, yeah. Could be, yes. Sorry, Something like that. Yeah, Certainly been right. some considerable time. Yeah, don't do that. All right. <laughs> oh, hello there. Beard, I see. Yes, I Well, do you know it's been eight years since we originally met up here? Really? Has it been eight years? Yes. Got in a yes, yes, I see. That's all cleared up, though. Yes. <laughs> yes, it cleared up about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago. <laughs> see you then. I know um, what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years. Mm -hmm. yeah. Seven year itch. Yeah. <laughs> right, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your title's now being exhibited on the laser display board, and here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. The Grinch. The Grinch. Now, uh, this is a film. It yeah. is. Two words. Two words. Off we go. Here we go. Hamish! Yeah, I do go. You'll have had your tea. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, but, oh, no, I see you're, uh, you're having a meal, your Aye. festive lunch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pull up a kilt and sit down. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my word, what a magnificent bird. Thank you. Well, it's not a turkey, is it? Oh, no, it's not a turkey. <laughs> Pheasant? No, it's no a pheasant. McNugget? No. <laughs> no, no. This, this is unique. It's a rare cross, the result of a grouse. A grouse, oh. mark you, mating with a wee finch. Oh. <laughs> James, that's a one-off. Uh, that's just what the Finch said. Uh, <laughs> oh, his soul brings the tears to your eyes. Uh, but what would you what would you call it? A, a, a frouse? Oh, no, 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 quite the reverse. Oh. <laughs> Last tango in Paris. <laughs> Close. Could it possibly be the Grinch? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the last stop for the teams on this millennium year tour was at High Wycombe. The area first attracted pilgrims in the Dark Ages, when the sick came to take the waters of the local holy wells, which they believed could cure their blindness. 
This practice had to stop when, despite the warning signs, the deep wells became blocked by the many who'd fallen down them. High Wycombe's wealth was built on the manufacture of traditional furnishings and the town quickly became known as the furniture capital of England. Then, with the growth in demand for chests of drawers and fancy footstools, it became known as the tall boy and poof capital of Europe. It was here we experienced what is known in modern broadcasting parlance as a landmark event with our spectacular new Quiz of Quizzes. Right, fingers on buzzers, teams. How many legs have donkeys? Hang on, somebody at the door. <laughs> Samantha, could you, can you go and see to it? Okay. Right, carry on. Tim. Four. Tim says four. Barry and Graham? Ooh. Higher. No. Higher. No, no. Are you sure? Higher. I don't think it's lower. 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 You say lower. lower. Well, lower. the right answer is that no legs have donkeys. So you were right to go lower. <laughs> and Tim gets ten points. Tim. Jim, question or nominate? Nominate Graham. No, the right answer is nominate Barry. <laughs> you lose ten points. Barry, what's the first letter of the word aardvark? Is it A, B, C or D? Oh, um, uh, can I go 50-50, Hump? <laughs> All right, computer, take away one wrong answer and one right answer. <laughs> Barry, you have two wrong answers left. Which do you go for? <laughs> Can I phone a friend? All right, if you must. Who are you calling? Um, Ian. Hello? Ian, this is Humphrey Littleton from Radio 2's Best of Jazz. Now, I know you can't... <laughs> I know you can't see the show. Why? Where are you? I'm here. I'm in the audience. Well, you were told to switch off your mobiles before the recording. Please switch yours off now. Oh, sorry. Barry. Ian. <laughs> Ian, what's the first... Ian. Hello. He's gone. Aardvark, does it start with C or D? Take it... <laughs> Take your time. I'll ask the audience. All right, go on then. No, 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 no. Switch them all off. Barry, you're out of time. But let's see what our survey said. <laughs> Jeremy, your turn. Can I have one off the top row and five little ones, please? OK. There you are. That's one Dundee cake and five macaroons. <laughs> and your target is... Toad in the hole. Well? No, I've only got toad in the blender. 
Well, three away, but that's only two points. Graham, your turn, and it's time for what happens next. Okay. Well? Um, well, what? What happens next? I don't know. I don't know. I've never played this before. Have a guess. Um, uh, okay. Well, what's supposed to happen next? The what happens next round. Well, what happens in that? I'm asking you. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard this before. I mean, I, I come here in all good faith. I, I don't know what's supposed to happen. I'm not sure what's been going on so far anyway. I've no idea. I did just... And Graham was talking when the whistle went. <laughs> so you lose ten points. The final question is for Tim. Tim, who was Formula One motor racing champion in 1977? Louder. Tim, who was Formula One motor racing champion in 1977? Mickey Lauda. No, it was James Hunt. Well, teams, at the end of that round, you've banked a miserable 72p out of a possible 10,000 pounds. Who is letting you down? It's time to vote for who you think is the weakest link. Anne Robinson. <laughs> Anne Robinson. Anne Robinson. I'd have to say Anne Robinson as well. Tim, why Anne Robinson? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Anne Robinson, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, as the eager hands of time grab at the nuts of destiny, the plump bird of fate is stuffed by the Paxo of eternity, the expectant teenager of hope unwraps the hand-knitted pullover of disappointment. The elderly relatives of forgetfulness are sent back to the rest home of doom and the pine needles of irritation begin to collect in the cat. I notice that it's nearly all we have time for this year. So on behalf of all of us, that I'm sorry I haven't a clue, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a peaceful New Year. And leave you with Graham Garden singing the Louis Armstrong song What a Wonderful World in the style of Louis's distant cousin, the astronaut Neil Armstrong. I see trees of green. Green roses too. I see them blossom. For me and for you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful moon. Copy Houston. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white. The bright blessed day and uh, dark sacred nights, and I uh, think to myself, Houston, we have a problem. 